Okay. Where were you 2009 VMAs Kanye gets up on stage and tells this little girl that she did not have the best video of the year? Wait. Oh, I was 12. Taylor. I was Taylor 10. Swift VMAs. Oh man. Kanye West. That's that's what set him up as being one of the most polarized figures in After that moment, either you loved him or you hated him, period. Undoubtedly, Kanye West is one of the most influential and controversial figures in music of all time. He is considered one of the greatest artists of our life, but also one of the most publicly hated. The 2010s were wildly shaped by Kanye in and outside of hip hop, and that's why we're starting our podcast with him. Traditional hip hop is strictly vocal and a track. However, Kanye doesn't stop there. So he layered and mastered tracks together, making new sounds with voices. And because of that, he's pushed hip hop further than anyone else in the industry. He's created a name for himself by using other people's voices to create a sound that no one has heard before. Kanye did it first. So how did we get here, Ethan? (laughs) How did we get here? Uh, Kanye goes up on stage and is fighting for his friend Beyonce to win. First of all, full stop. My friend Beyonce. Stop. I wish I could say that. I would do it for you. If you were Beyonce. I would do it for you. If you were Beyonce, I would get up and I would say, but Rachel Brown deserves video of the year for single ladies. Thank you. Man, but I wish I you didn't it. win it because you belong with me won it. We'll anyway. get there. <laughs> Kanye West was born in Atlanta. I know we call him a Chicago kid, but he was raised in Chicago um, when his mom filed divorce from his father, who was a magician, musician, but also a Black Panther, too. Really? And, yeah, former Black Panther. So Kanye is making beats rapping since he was super young i know he wrote a song when he was nine like has always just been talented and his you know parents would normally just be like oh my kid's just a rapper and wants to like (laughs) right make beats but i think that's more common now than it was back then true because of kanye anyway (laughs) kanye's influenced culture so much and i think it started because his mom was able to just cultivate a creative household so in 2002, he's making beats that are so good. Um, Rockefeller signs him. Rockefeller is Jay-Z's record label. And they sign him. And Jay-Z is quoted as saying, we just wanted him for the beats, honestly. Like, his beats were so good. And everyone wanted them on the block. And at that point in 2002, Jay-Z was it. Yes. Jay-Z was the guy Over. in in in. R&B and hip hop. Yeah. Um, so I think the the idea of who Jay Z is now versus back in 2002, even before he was married to Beyonce, mm-hmm. is a completely different Jay Z that I don't think we know as 2021 mm. people. True. And I was super young. I wasn't. 
listening to Jay-Z album. We'll do it. Maybe we should do a Jay-Z deep dive okay. sometime. Not today, though. Putting a pin in Put that. <laughs> so then, 2003, I believe, yeah. Kanye gets in a car accident after leaving the studio. He's making beats. And he gets in a car accident where his whole face is, like, totally wrecked, messed up. He can't talk normally. They have to wire his mouth shut. And normally that would stop a rapper. That would stop an MC. That would stop an artist from doing, if they're spoken, like, their voice is their instrument. So Kanye's like, nah, I'm going to rap anyway with a wired mouth. Ethan, can you do the... He goes, nah, I'm going to rap instead. Yeah. And I think this is another pivotal moment in his life. Like... For sure. Being signed to Rockefeller, yes. But this moment kind of allowed him to be like, no, I'm going to... I'm going to push expectations and I'm going to do my own thing. And he records through the wire, which is so good. So he records this single that he can't even, he can't even open his mouth with. And this goes to prove his like kind of, I guess, thesis of a career all the way through um, noting that the voice is the most powerful instrument. So before this, um, and we'll kind of get into it in a little bit, but I feel like it's important to to note here that Kanye views the voice as our most powerful instrument. Yeah. And so when you alter the voice, when you change the voice, or even when you just use the voice normally like in a choir, there's something to it that a machine cannot copy. And so his mouth being wired shut was an alteration that to him sounded different enough for him to record. Yeah. Oof. This classic. Yes. And then College Dropout releases. And it's such a debut. Like, it's what every rapper wants their debut album to be. Um, And he broadens his audience. And he's changing the face of the rap game. And there's a tiny little, you know, track on there that's not even that cool called Jesus Walk. Jesus walks go crazy jesus <laughs> walks with me and kanye opens up the conversation about religion on a rap track and this is on a debut album just bringing in religion like that's unheard of yeah so before before kanye truly um you, you really only heard the conversation in rap and hip-hop surrounding money sex greed fame uh and kanye once again flips that on its head and says, I want to talk about religion. I want to talk about my mom. I want to talk about yes. love. And and so this idea of religion, which now we see Gen 2, Gen 3 of Kanye, that's one of the main talking points in 2003, unheard of. I remember, I remember being eight and bobbing my head <laughs> to Jesus walk. I was like, You're like yes. vibing to the samples. I like yeah. got my kids kid cuisine and I'm like just vibing with Jesus walks. Um, but yeah, so ten Grammy nominations for college dropout. So to put that comparison, Billie Eilish last year got five nominations and the, and for when we fall asleep. And that album is genius, right? Ten noms. Oof. So not only the big five. But the, little five. But, the li- <laughs> but the little five. I wish I had a list of what they were. But 
Anyway. Yes. No. But that's massive. And he's doing so well. And everyone's like, okay, this rookie rapper, is he going to keep it up? Is he going to be able to top that or even make it up to the same level? And so he goes back into the studio. He's determined to become a trendsetter. And late registration comes out. Same kind of cover um, with the bear and the mascot. And it's stacked with tons of features and amazing artists that are way ahead of Him. the game than Kanye. But they decide to come on this. And I, I think, think that's they, what they, they knew. They know. And it's, it's good for, I think, someone like Kanye early, early on in his career to bring other people into the conversation because it's the same thing now. Like if a big artist is featured on a smaller artist album or something like that, and it's like, oh, I gotta listen to, I gotta yes. listen to Kanye because who is he? Who like, is that? Why is Jay Z affiliated with him? Yes. And it and it makes you curious as a listener of a Jay Z fan or yes. whoever. And it, the cool thing is, Kanye's still a great producer. Like he'll always have that in his blood. So every album, every work he creates, anything that has his name on it is gonna be good. And he still loves his mom during this, and he makes a song, "Hey Mama." And I feel like normally. Rap artists, if they love someone, they're not going to mention the name on the track. But Kanye is like fully, this is my mom, Donda, and she's great, and I love her. Um, and yeah, this album, it's again a banger. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I love it. Um, so Kanye, after this, goes on tour with U2 and Rolling Stone, the Rolling Stones. And he's learning the rock star life, is gleaning from them and growing as an artist. And he decides to make another album called Graduation. 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 This is his, like this is the album that establishes him as an artist that's here to stay. Yeah, so this is kind of the iconic pit stop that every artist wants in their career. You have a good debut, you have a pretty solid second, and you need that third I feel like to cement you as a household name, really. And so graduation, uh, he moves away from using actual people's voices like he did in Jesus Walks. Uh, When you listen to that song, you hear multiple five, six different layers of people's voices. But in graduation, he starts to use a synth Mm -hmm. um, in the same vocal range, emulating a human voice. So he's not actually using human sounds anymore as much. He still uses it. And later on, um, when we get to like ultra light beam, you hear it come back again. But he uses synth as a way to mock human voice. And it's still, once again, brand new, has never been done before. Again, it sounds so genuine and real, um, but it's elevated. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's electric. It's very synthy. Daft Punk's on it. It's fun. It's it's like graduation. Like when you graduate any high school, college, yeah. graduate life. It's just celebrating <laughs> yes. this like moment. And this, I think, too, you, this is where you kind of get into that, what I say, ego problem of Kanye. Because mm. he's released three like solid projects. See, I forget about the ego problem because I just love him. I know. And then I realized he does have flaws. Like and any so other then, when you're dealing with this album like Graduation, yeah. 
and the success. You toured with U2 and Rolling Stones. He's now kind of creating this ego issue of being the greatest icon that's ever existed. Yeah. So he's on top. He's touring. A month after graduation comes out, sadly, his mother um, dies of complications with plastic surgery. I know we don't think of plastic plastic surgery as Do you know being what it dangerous. Was for? No, but yeah, about two hundred people die every year from it. Random fact, but yeah. So his mother passes, and that's his that's his girl. Like that's his dog yes, for life. Yes. So he's de- like devastated would be an understatement. Um, Kanye is grieving hard, and he was going to make an out al- a different album called Good Ass Job, and then he decides to make 808s and Heartbreaks, which is unlike what we thought was coming next. Um, yeah, so it's this like really hard pivot in his sonic, like sonically, the path that he was going on, but also uh, it moves away visually from the bear mm-hmm. um, and he starts now collaborate, collaborating with other producers and artists to do something that he couldn't do before which was sing so Kanye is known for not being a good singer yeah um, and he he uh, he said all the way through his career that he is determined to be the greatest of all time even though he can't dance and he can't sing which is insane. But the crazy thing is, is he pulls on other parts of himself. He think he might read or write or ask other people to come help. Um, but he decides to use autotune. And autotune is his weapon of choice, I guess. And he says, like, I like autotune, so I use it. <laughs> and that's what <laughs> I quote, love. Yeah. yeah, no, that's the quote. And I, I love it. And it, I think it's not my favorite Kanye album, but when you couple the auto-tune with the heartbreak, I think it kind of works. Because the heartbreak is so strong, like it almost doesn't take a human-like voice to describe it. Like you need something else. And also like culturally in that moment, 2008 when 808s came out was a massive moment, both pop culture and culturally. Um, You have your first black president in the United States. You have... Uh, culture is just a really weird moment in time. So you have this new resurface of pop music. Yeah. Um, you're getting a lot of new artists like Katy Perry, Lady Gaga, all, all debuting their first pieces of work that year. Um, you're getting J-Lo's kind of re-coming up again. Beyonce's releasing, I think, B-Day. So it's a really weird time. And then on top of it, Kanye starts to use autotune, so everyone starts to use autotune. So this kind of pioneers the next 2008 to 2000, I would say 13, 14, when autotune is really, really popular. I almost would describe this album as Kanye's winter. <laughs> Time for him to like yeah. root out somewhere else. Um, but even in that winter, it's little... still the most influential, like it's still really, really influential and changes the music industry as a whole. True. So Kanye's grieving. He's got a lot going on Maybe had internally. Has had a drink or two. It's the VMAs. He's going to a party, hanging out with Jay-Z, Beyonce. So usually, and two, he's like MTV's friend. Yes. Like MTV loves him. Yes. So he's there. 
And at this moment, there's a newbie, Taylor Swift. This little girl, seven, I think she's like 17 at this moment. I thought you were going to say seven. <laughs> she's like seven? She's a child prodigy. Yeah. And she's killing it. <laughs> so she's released two albums and she wins. We, we kind of explained this earlier. She wins best video of the year for You Belong With Me. Which that's the one with the... Yeah, with the sign. The one, the sign. Wait, no, that's not the right one, is it? <laughs> what are you, you belong singing? with me. You belong with me. <laughs> what key is that? So, Taylor Swift is now new on the scene, and she's gaining attention outside of country music, which, in her defense is a big feat for a country artist to do. I'm rolling my eyes. So country normally is pinholed into that genre and that subcategory of audience, but Taylor Swift kind of breaks that mold a little bit, and she goes and beats Beyonce for best video of the year, whether you think that is okay. good Okay, we're talking or about Kanye, we're talking about <laughs> I'll give but, her one clap. So Taylor, so Taylor Swift is giving her a little speech, and Kanye storms up on stage. And Beyonce didn't ask him to do this. And yeah, like, the camera yeah. pans him. She's like, Kanye, no. Yes, and he says, Taylor, I'm going to let you finish, but Beyonce had the best video of all time. <laughs> and the crowd doesn't know what to do. I feel like, you know when they say laughing is, is an emotion, or laughing yeah. is the response when you have too much emotion. I feel like everyone's laughing, but... It's like not funny. No. And you're like ruining this girl. But also, like, I haven't even, like, Beyonce's single ladies was the cultural moment as well. So but it's they both like, were. They both were in two completely different assets. So it's kind of weird they were pinned against each other anyway. It was like not a win win situation. Sure. But, um, so Kanye gets up and he, you know, does his thing. Then Beyonce's so embarrassed. Taylor Swift is like really embarrassed. She's flustered, which this starts this mm. whole thing that we're not even going to talk about because it would be literally its own episode. But that's what set Kanye up as honestly America, A villain. America's most controversial, controversial figures. So if you are traditionally on Taylor Swift's side, you're going to just hate Kanye. A decade later. Are we in court right now? <laughs> You're on Taylor's side. <laughs> I'm on Kanye's side. But like I'm also... Beyonce's the judge. Yeah. Anyway, um, so after this moment, mm. I think the public kind of favors Taylor um, and kind of ostracizes Kanye for this little moment. And they're kind of going against him. Yeah, and so everyone's like, everyone, get him out of here. Yeah, so no. Beyonce, you know, later in that show, I believe, brought Taylor back up to finish her speech and kind of tried to repair. Tried to repair and and kind of hushed Kanye, and so there was a lot of I think hurt feelings, and I truly think this is no one came to Kanye when Kanye needed help mm. with his mom dying. Wow. Barack Obama calls him out, calls him a genius. Yes. And so, like, when the president calls you out, your closest friends... Jay Leno friends, calls you out. Yeah. 
Jay-Z, Beyonce calls you out, new rising stars. Everyone is siding with Taylor Swift at this moment. It's like an everybody hates Kanye. A cancel Kanye party before... That was a thing. Yeah. So what he does next is the most legendary moment of the 2010s. So he locks himself in a hotel in Hawaii. Well, it's 2010. 2010. Turn of the decade. Locks himself in a hotel in Hawaii. Flies people out to record with him. And he does the biggest album of the decade. I would say album of the century. I think it's a masterpiece, and we're about to go into it. So... Yeah, let us camp here for a bit. I'm setting up my tent. Okay. (laughs) Pitch your tent, yeah. (laughs) So, he comes out with My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. Just, he comes out with My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. And along with that, a short film comes out that goes with it. And every single track on the album just outlines what it is to be a black sheep in Hollywood. How Hollywood worships fame and sex and greed and luxury and ego and just Kanye is struggling with this and he's like which one do I want yeah. do I want a life of simplicity or do I want the this because this is yeah. bringing me in and it's exactly what the 2010s needed yeah so 2010s culturally so you have the it's a super avant-garde moment in culture it's the like I immediately think of the horrible runway shows with like how wacky everyone's fashion was. Yes. That was like the meat dress of Lady Gaga's ah. meat dress. It's just a weird time in fame culture where People either you were in or you were out. Yes, exactly. And this was like no, this was Kim Kardashian's highlight. With her and Paris Hilton. Yes. The 2010s, the Velvet, the, yeah, I mean, they were it. Yes. So what he does too sonically with this album is he flips traditional hip-hop on its head. Mm. So you see this specifically in Runaway, where he isn't using... Do, 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 do. Oh yeah. So he he models this song and structures it in a way that is completely opposite to traditional hip hop, which is verse one and or verse two chorus, like your basic setup of a song as you would normally think of it. So he flips it on his side in this whole album. So it's a completely kind of upside down album structurally. This is the first time that he really, again, brings in religious um, themes into his album. So my beautiful dark twisted fantasy, he pins religion and consumerism of the 2010s neck and neck. And he showcases the struggles of the hatred of that culture. So his love for God and his his desire to be a black sheep, but also his love of the game and the gain and the want. Just getting, 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 getting. The individual- money, the cars, yes. yes. Yeah, so I love this just from a music standpoint. I think it's 
such a good album just to play and headbang to and all of the lights dun, 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 okay but about that track probably one of the best in his discography because yeah. he brings Rihanna. out the secrets of <laughs> because Rihanna <laughs> no he brings out his secret sauce collaboration <laughs> no for real the fact that Kanye can pull on so Elton John is on this track. Yeah. Fergie, it's Rihanna's last hit. Are you kidding me? <laughs> um, but yeah, Fergie, Elton John, Rihanna. Yeah. And then throughout the whole album, Nicki Minaj. Yes. Oh. I'm a monster. <laughs> yes. Exactly. That was a really good impression. I didn't want to like blow out the microphone. That's true. But yeah, so he, so all the lights is, mm. is, oh, it's so genius. It's so I wish good. I could insert a <laughs> clip of the song. All the lights! <laughs> yeah. You thought we could insert a clip and you wouldn't know? <laughs> it sounds exactly like it. Yes, but collaboration, like using other people, bringing other people into this musical like experience this world yes. that he and, built and all the lights is this perfect example of he cannot sing like rihanna no or he cannot hit those lights and hit the none of the lights are out, baby oh yeah I took you there. and so he relied on rihanna yes to deliver and be a part of that world yes um which so pulling on other artists and collaboration is is a big key of this album. So not only is he doing it with vocal artists, he's also pairing it with visual artists. Mm. So for this album, he partners with artist George Kondo. So uh, get on Safari, get on Chrome, and Google um, My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy Art. And you will see a bunch of paintings that George Kondo created to help, even if you didn't see the film, you would understand visually what this album was about. Yes. Yes. So he talks about, or they show money, greed, fame, capitalism, loss. Um, We're talking about uh, the struggle between... Um, holiness and and this like worldly sin and he illustrates it in it in such a beautiful way yeah and I think Kanye's eye for picking not only vocal artists but visual artists and pair them and create a film that goes along it was like a package deal I felt like I was getting a bundle or like a McDonald's happy meal I was like thank you so much for all this give me the apples And and the nuggets and the caramel too, and a McFlurry. Throw it all in there. No, but for real, I think it's such a genius pairing. And can you imagine releasing the album of the decade at the start of the decade? Yeah, in November of that year, I believe. Critical acclaim, like rated ten out of ten, which for albums, um, it's extremely hard to get yes. a ten rating. I think there's fifty to a hundred albums period that are rated 10 like some of my favorite albums for example like channel orange is rated 7.3 mm. 
<laughs> which like that in itself is a classic. Yeah. And and to say that this album coming out first year of the decade is rated a 10, there's not many there, there's no way that you can compete with that. Yes. It's amazing. I think that if you're a Kanye fan, listen to it again. If you're not a Kanye fan, listen to it for the first time. And dive into it. Yeah. Don't just take it for what it is. True. Um, look at the art. Look at the film. Really dive into the lyrics. Has one of the best rap verses, That's in enough. my That's opinion. Nicki Minaj's monster verse transcended the song. I think there's a better feature. Later. And we'll get to that. Okay. So Watch the Throne comes yeah. out right after Kanye and Jay-Z. I just think of this as the ultimate brother album. Jay-Z and Kanye are working together, collaborating, vibing. It's before the beef between Kanye and then Jay-Z and Beyonce. And they're unstoppable. Wait, I didn't know about the beef. Kanye talks about this beef during St. Pablo t- tour, actually. But just, I think Jay-Z and Beyonce took some samples from him or I don't remember but Kanye tried to call them and he was like I was hurt Beyonce yeah so whatever. so this is pre-beef and Kanye's on top of the world and it's more of that ego comes Issue. back yeah, yes. yeah yeah so at the same time um this is a great moment to talk about the cultural reset of Yeezy. Mm, he's unstoppable. So not only did he just release the best album of the decade, half a year later, he's releasing Watch the Throne, and then he releases the shoe and clothing line. <laughs> Talk about it. So he releases these shoes, which if you look them up, they're not much of anything. They're pretty ugly. Even, not gonna lie. Even doesn't like them. I will, yeah, I... I, I would never buy him. I've never considered buying but, him. But, 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 he flips the way he builds the shoe on its head. Yes. And takes the shoe world by storm. Everyone's like, what is this? So he did what he did in the music industry back in graduation and, and even My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. Does it again in the fashion world. Mm. So he uses a shoe with different fabrics, a yes. different type of sole. Colorways. He gets rid, yeah. yeah, colorways. He gets rid of the tongue on a tennis shoe um, and then he releases this phenomenal like it sells out so quickly yes and then he sells out to adidas mm-hmm. but creates a partnership with them uh, i think it's a 10-year contract yes yeah. but he also had a a some stuff with nike come up i think nike had him first and then yeah. he severed the contract with them just because they were being weird but adidas treats him better and i think they allow him to have more of a hand in the way things are released and what they look like and i think that's what kanye wants kanye wants everything that has his name on it to yeah. be authentic to be genuine and real um so he creates easy and then there's a fashion line that comes with it neutrals almost looks like if you've seen mad max the movie yeah. where they're all like kind of just ripped up and tattered and they, he sells out too, and people are eating it up, and they love it. 
Um, so it creates more shoes, more seasons. We've seen, you've seen. Yeah, you've seen the real. I mean, there's no way you haven't seen Yeezys or the knockoff, like the inspiration pulled directly from. Yeezys. <laughs> so even another notable fashion moment for, for Kanye is this last spring, spring 2019, 2020, he partnered with The Gap to release a clothing line. And he does a fashion show in Paris um, with Gap, and our friend, his daughter, Northy, releases her song there. An amazing debut. What are those? These are clothes. I think what? I might insert a clip. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Walk to the street. Yeah, 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 yeah. Cool, cute, cool, yeah. That was so good. Go, girl. It's kind of funny. Queen behavior. Because you see, so in the video, you see Kanye, like, he's not on the stage at all. And there's people walking past North. And she's like, she has the in-ears. And she's like vibing to the little track herself. And then Kanye comes up behind her and like pushes her to the front. And she's just like stuck to the mic. It's so sweet. No, it's sweet. And Kim's like in the audience sobbing. Loving it. Filming. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So Gap really wanted to work with Kanye. And they approach him and they say, hey, 10-year contract. Create some elevated basics with us. And Kanye decides, yeah, like, let's do it. So a lot of the pictures I've seen on Twitter are bright blue, bright red, bright green, really thick sweatshirts, sweatpants, outerwear. Basically, Gap's usual stock just elevated and having the Kanye like label. Yeah, on it. which a little Gap history for you. So Gap owns is so Gap Inc. owns a lot of companies like Banana Republic. What my mom wears. <laughs> yeah, like a few other brands like that. Anyway, yeah, Athleta. So the stock of Gap has been going down because just purely lack of interest and there's lack of like for better or worse terms, sex appeal to Gap. Um, why would I shop at Gap when I can shop at Urban Outfitters? Truly. Oof. And and so what why they, would you? Why would you? Why would I? Why would I shop at? I don't even shop at Urban. Anyway, so what they needed is they needed something to revive their namesake brand. Kanye swooped in. And so, and it makes sense because Kanye worked at Gap when he was yeah. young in Chicago as a summer job. So it, it's sweet. If you look up Gap in Chicago, it's a really big banner down the side of the building, like a thank you letter to Chicago. Oh, he's kind. Sweet. He yeah. has a heart. <laughs> Maybe we'll post that on the ground. There you go. He has a heart. Anyway, we'll get back to this cultural moment of Kanye with Gap and. Yeezy in a second, but we have a few more albums to get to before we get there. So after this, Watch the Throne, My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, he releases an album that yet again redefines and switches up his career, but not in the way that I think we would all anticipate him to do. I feel like this album was sent with the slam effect. <laughs> like if you got a text, like... <laughs> Yeah. Um, Yeezus. Yeah. So if... The title itself just... Yeah. So if you think of My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy and the 
um, dark maximalism, maximalism that is used in this album, utilizing every single second, every single breath. Um, Yeezus is bare bone minimalism, the complete 180 to it, um, and is meant to be in stark contrast. To My Beautiful Dark. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so it's another weird pivot in his career. And it's very experimental. I think he had been influenced by European artists that were already doing this. Very like. Underground like, dance. Yeah. Like bearing your soul and giving your deepest, darkest. Because I think we all have egotistical thoughts. Yeah. But like presenting them in such a way where it's almost like. I don't want to listen to this. Like, this is too much. And maybe, may I, like, take a jab at saying, like, that is where he was at that moment Mm. in culture. Like, he's at the height of everything that he doesn't want anyone to even see where he's at. He doesn't give a bleep. (laughs) Truly. Um, And so this album, he, yeah, he literally does not give a bleep (laughs) because, quote, I am a god. So this is where we get into this, like... And people are so turned off. Yeah, this so is turned worse. off. So he goes from the number one album of the last decade to an album where he is telling people that he is a god. And it's it's I've I have barely any words about this album. I think it's I last last time Ethan and I talked about this, we talked about how we both didn't really like it. But I listened to it again, and I kind of was like, wait, you're a little bit onto something. And I think he released this in 2013. And I told myself I would give it about 10 years because it's so avant-garde, so ahead of its time. What's interesting about 2013 and Culture 2, so we're looking at culture as a bigger landscape than 2021, or like different than 2021, 2013 was also a very Mm avant-garde, but in a different way than like 2008 to 2010. So um, you get, for example, Art Pop by Lady Gaga. Oh, different. Which is so futuristic, so different. Also embraces this like European minimalism and no one quite gets it. Hopefully we'll get both of these album maybe 10, 20 years down the road. We're almost yeah. at the 10 year mark. True, so, so we'll, I'd have to, maybe that's why I'm feeling it a little bit more Maybe. Now. So we leave this album and I, I think there was like a need for something great. Yeah, and there's a little bit of a dry spell from Kanye. He's mostly focusing on Yeezy. Three, four years mm-hmm. of a dry spell. So it and all starts with a tweet. Yes, he's tweeting about this album called Swish, and then he changes the name to Waves, and it's just tracks, but they're all jumbled, and it's confusing, and everyone's like, okay, this you're not explaining anything. Then he says, TLOP. That's it. And everyone's like, what does this mean? Who's TLOP? What is this? What's happening? And Kanye said, if you can figure out what this means, you can get a ticket to the next tour and a pair of Yeezys. So Yeezys are top of the line. Yeah, they're being sold everywhere. Feezys are... (laughs) Alive and well. (laughs) 
Yes. If you can't afford those Yeezys, you're getting you're the, the Yeezys. You're getting the five dollar <laughs> Amazon yes. on your door the next day. Um, yeah. So people are scrambling to figure out what it means. The life of Pi, like the life of, and this guy tweets and says, "The life of Pablo." And Kanye's like, yeah, that's it. And I don't think they ever contacted the guy about the prize. <laughs> but true Kanye, they figured, they figured it out. So the life of Pablo. And Kanye, there's one line and I think a song on graduation that mentions Pablo, just off the cuff. So everyone's like, who's Pablo? Is it Pablo Escobar? Pablo Picasso? Pablo the saint in the Bible? Like the apostle? And... No one knows what that means. And then the cover art comes out. So the cover art is this peachy orange um, with word art style. So we go from like... He made it on Canva. He made... <laughs> True. So what's interesting about this cover is you go from these masterpieces yeah. of a cover of... Um, you have college dropout, late registration, this like gold border, you have 808s with the heart, you have um, My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy where he literally... George yeah. Yeah, George Kondo. Um, Watch the Throne is this gold, mm. like encrusted, beautiful cover. And this looks like he made it on Canva, truly. It's just stacked wow. text, an aerial bold, if you care to remake it and just stack text and two photos Boom. and that's it and a lot of critics at the time hated it but i think it, there's something to be said that he saw that we didn't see yeah um so the album is supposed to come out and then it doesn't <laughs> and then it does <laughs> that's the usual nature of kanye but um it comes out and the first song is Ultralight Beam. Cultural Reset. Wow. Again, in 2016. Wow, wow, wow. And on that album I was talking about, Swish, what, it was gonna, what this album was going to be called, Ultralight Beam is at the bottom on that tweet in the picture. Ultralight Beam is supposed to be the last track. But instead, he flips it and puts it as the first track. And it sets the mood. And it's like, what is going to happen? Like... He's talking about God, this being a God dream, this being everything. And then right after is like... Everything. And then right after is Father Stretch My Hands. <laughs> yeah. He's just going off with, about Amber Rose and yeah. the whole thing about dating a model. Yeah, so what's really, really interesting is Ultra Light Beam is the culmination of everything that he has done before this point. Yeah. So he's combining the maximalism, the minimalism, the singing about religion and Jesus, the singing about him um, kind of being up there as a god, mm -hmm. uh, his collaboration efforts. So this yes. is where we see this phenomenal, phenomenal collaboration with Shan. Yes, that which is my favorite feature. This is the feature I was talking about that yeah. I think is one of the best in rap history. I think his wordplay, his cadence... And it really, it really shows the strength of Kanye's to give such a powerful song and verse to someone like Chance, who's up and coming at True. that moment. True. Um, and it really kind of shows you how 
genuine of an artist Kanye is yet again. Yeah, we see both sides of him. Yep. And so, yeah. So it people are as they as people analyze this album, they're realizing that Kanye is talking about all three of those Pablos, Pablo Escobar, Pablo Picasso, and then Apostle Paul. Um, Pablo, Pablo Escobar, the biggest drug kingpin ever, talking about that sinful, worldly side of Kanye, of himself, of his ego taking over. And then Pablo Picasso, Kanye being creative and making art and always pushing boundaries and making things people don't always understand, but it's beautiful. And then Apostle Paul, with him getting back to his spirituality and coming back to Jesus and like knowing that Jesus walks with him. It's so interesting because you see this like harsh difference between, like like you said, you have Ultralight Beam where it's talking about his relationship with Christ and how he loves God so much. And then you have Father Stretch My Hand and it's totally like I am the God. Yeah, and you have Famous. You have, uh, which, which we could have a whole episode on the singular yes, but, song of Famous. But that falls under the Escobar. Like, yes, and, and, and it releases in 2016 yet again is aligning with this other really critical moment in culture. So you have Donald Trump becoming president. You have like celebrity feuds are big, big, big. Um, This is maximized like I think pink Instagram is that moment peak Twitter before kind of this like censorship kind of starts. And it's a really kind of busy and and flustering time (laughs) in pop culture. For sure. Um, But yeah, I feel like it's Kanye's a good, good album. Though. I think this. No, so yes. if you, you you really like I this like album. this album. So <laughs> if you are, this is an intro to Kanye. This is intro one hundred and one. Listen to my beautiful dark twisted fantasy. Then I would say, listen to the life of Pablo. Go, because it sets you up good for this next period. Yeah, this arc of Kanye's life. Mm-hmm. So he goes from this album, he goes on the St. Pablo tour. And the... Which you went on, Rachel. Yes. You were there. Oh, yes. <laughs> You're looking at me like... I was like trying to get you to say, like, I went there. You're looking yeah. at me like, didn't you go? And I'm like, oh, yeah. No, I went in Chicago, which there was two nights of it, and I went on the first night, and it was so good, but it was so interesting. Like we've said before, Kanye is good at building worlds and you walk into the United Center and it's dark and you're, there's no stage out there and everyone's on the, there's people on the floor and then there's people on the bleachers and Kanye comes out on this LED platform. So if you're on the floor, you can't see him and it moves side to side so you can see like sides of him. Um, but as people in the bleachers, you can see everything and it's interesting because it's like Kanye wants you in this world but also doesn't want you so if you get too close then you won't get anything like if you're on the floor you're not going to see him and you're not going to be a part of the experience it's an extreme contrast to let's say note Taylor Swift who wants you to pick apart the songs wants you to be a part of this world she like when you're on her tour she wants you to be a part of the experience whereas Kanye wants you to experience the music and leave it at that Mm. like feel the music and then be done true so i think like a good example of that would be his song fade like he wants you to feel the music and then be done yeah and that's it 
That's yeah. why he played it on his laptop when he released it. Oh, yeah. I think this that's another, like... So he had a release party in February at Madison Square Gardens for this album. And instead of this, like, massive production or anything, it's just him with a laptop. Yeah. So picture this. It's in a dark room, and you hear the apple, like, and then you hear, we're on an ultralight beam. This is a god dream. This is a god dream. We'll post a picture of it on the gram. This means everything. Oh, Ethan. Yeah, I'm a singer. <laughs> two for two. <laughs> yes. So, yeah. So, Life of Pablo is really just, uh, like you said, it sets you up for what's coming next. into this era of Kanye kind of Twitter ranting sometimes, sometimes just posting whatever he wants. He gets married to Kim. Kim kind of, they even each other out. I believe they're a good match. Um, this is where we really start to see the, the bipolar yeah, side it's like of Kanye human, start very to show. human, very human of Kanye. And he releases this album called Yay. And yay marks an important part. Yay marks an important point in culture. Um, culture is shifting to talk more about mental illness and opening up the conversation with people going to therapy, people living with illnesses. Movies are coming out that are depicting these illnesses, which is something that did not happen no. in the 2010s. People are hiding it. You yeah, know, it's... mental health was not a conversation to be had back then, and so it's a super new topic. And I think he kind of wanted to capitalize on that while he was walking through his own journey. True. So he makes Yay, which is like an EP length album, though, and it's the cover art says, "I hate being bipolar. It's awesome," and I really think it's uh, a journal almost a diary of what he's going through and his suicidal tendencies and his just humanness and struggling with it all and he's almost like not a rapper anymore which he still is but it's like he's just an art like an artist like you can't really put him in that category what is awesome about EA I think it's a necessary part to the puzzle Yes. Uh, and it's a necessary transition point. So even if it's not like this sonically, like it's not a chart But it's still album. produced well, which is funny. Right. <laughs> it's still better than half of our homies out there. Yeah. Like he... Wow. No. So this is a necessary part to the puzzle as he transitions from the life of Pablo wrestling with these tough questions into Jesus, Jesus is King. King. Hmm. Hmm. It still gets me that he created a gospel album. He did that pivot. He crossed a genre. I feel like you, you have something yeah, to say so about that. Yeah, so I think this is something that I've always been interested in, even as, as a kid, is, is this idea of hopping not just genre. So you see a lot of people hopping the country pop, rap, hip-hop lanes but what you never see done successfully well is the hop from secular to spiritual. Yeah. 
and it's a really hard lane and if you a lot of people when they hop it's not taken seriously their love of god is not serious because they're like well what about what they said back in 2008 you know and kanye i think is the most successful version of this like genre hop yeah um because he does it so well and i think no we talk no matter what he's going the album is going to be good production-wise. So you can't deny the artistry, the skill, the just professionalism on the like music end. And then he's just an ever-changing artist that now pulls on that third Pablo, the like yeah. spirituality is coming back to term coming to terms with who he is at the moment and what he needs, that steadiness, that um figure that is outside of himself even outside of the realm that we live in that will steady him and i think this album should not have come to a shock to anybody because truly if you would have dissected kind of what he did all the way through he's been talking about religion and his faith since day one and i think when we talk about like jesus um and his like i am a god time it was just i think his faith being confused with this worldly identity and he's now come back to this, yeah. at least at the time of this album dropping. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he releases, well, he starts doing Sunday service with a bunch of A-list celebrities, pastors. Yes. He takes his old songs and rewords them, reworks them to be gospel songs with this choir. It's They're no longer grotesque themes. He's redeeming the meaning of what, those songs meant like the meaning of all the songs and it really is a rebuild of his name i believe yeah in the christian world so at this point in the christian world the life of pablo was already a big album so you see design trends for churches coming from the life of pablo you see uh typography sermon series art that whole like vibe coming from the life of pablo and the church kind of latched on. The church like, latched onto it so hard. <laughs> yeah. So when this Sunday service kind of came around, they're going it crazy. It was the perfect moment for yeah. the church to kind of latch on even harder. Exactly. And so I think he set himself up, or maybe the stars aligned, or wh- however you want to look at it, to make him be completely accepted again by church. So he yes. has pastors like Rich Wilkerson. Mike Todd, like all of these pastors. Justin Bieber. Justin, (laughs) Pastor Justin, hanging out with him. Um, Yeah. Moving from Jesus is King, we see how Kanye is growing as an artist, and he's always changing, and I think that kind of put a rift between him and his wife, Kim Kardashian. Yeah, so if you haven't heard or you haven't seen, Kim and Kanye have filed for divorce. And it's super interesting because for the last, like, two, three years, you really saw Kim and Kanye kind of be this, like, solid, super solid Christian couple. this duo. Yeah. And uh, Kim has been going to law school, been super, super serious about her uh, jail reform. Yeah. And has went and talked to the president about it. Has Has fought for people. Has fought for people. Has gone to court. Is no longer in a juicy couture outfit. (laughs) No longer. (laughs) And she really has been focused on women empowerment. And then, like I said, uh, jail reform. And then 
as kind of 2018, this 2020 election cycle has been kind of going off, uh, Kanye kind of in his bipolar episodes, yeah. if, if that's what you want to call it, has said that he's running for president. And for a while, he was running for president. He announced that he, he was, was running ballots, for president. Yeah. yeah. And and the fact that he was kind of jokingly running while mm-hmm. Kim was so serious about raising kids, raising four kids, yes. um, kind of rebranding her name and her reputation and then going into law, I think it just kind of drove a wedge in between yeah. the relationship where they kind of need to just separate for a bit. Yes. I hope it's just for a bit. I hope so too. That's I, one of those celebrity couples I really like. Yes. And I think also the reason why they got along, they get along so well was because they both are the, on the same level of fame. I think it was yeah. like, he doesn't want her for her money. She doesn't want him for his money. Like they just have equal respect for where they're, where they're at in their lives. Um, but yeah, Kanye just is such a polarizing character. Yeah. And like we said, either love him or hate him. And it's, but it's also like, can't live with him. Can't live without him. Like we kind of like the 2010s, he moved into them so strong and like ran alongside culture so well and like pushed, pushed other rep artists to up their game. Yeah. And like. He opened up the music, opened up the conversation on music, and or pivoted the conversation to faith and mental illness, yeah. and allows people an inside look into himself, and has always been so bold in using his voice, and yeah, he's just an insanely smart <laughs> and just like yeah, I think well versed artist. So it leads me to a question I oh, want to ask I was going to ask you a question. I was going to ask you. <laughs> you go first. What was the point when you knew that you related to Kanye? Hmm. I think my beautiful dark twisted fantasy did it for me. I think I realized, man, like, he's out here, like, doing his thing and talking about real-ish. <laughs> like, yeah. It's not just things that are ethereal. Like, I don't have seven chains and, like, three hoes, you know? <laughs> like, right, it's like, yeah. this is real stuff, like, that I'm dealing with, too. Even though I was, like, what, 13 <laughs> when right, My Beautiful yeah. Dark Twisted Fantasy came out. But I was still, like, I know this is going to stand the test of time. And I know that this is going to be something that I hold on to and I learn from, even. Like, his... That little like bout with Taylor and everything, yeah. but yeah, I really saw him as a real human in my beautiful dark twisted fantasy, and that's what um, pulled my respect for him. Yeah. What about you? What, like, when did you feel like you could relate to Kanye? Uh, I think so. I remember funny story. I remember the first time I ever heard Kanye was on Pandora before streaming was a thing. Yeah. Uh, and I remember hearing 808s a lot and and i mean obviously as a nine ten year old it like going straight you know my over my head i'm like down. what is this i'm like <laughs> can we turn on kesha <laughs> but like i think i think for me oh 
Gosh, I would say in the last two, three years, I've tried to deep dive into Kanye Mm -hmm. because I've realized that you can't talk about the music industry or culture as a whole without talking about Kanye in the last 20 years. Um, And so I don't think I've necessarily had a moment, but kind of I've been walking through processing a lot of what Kanye has done through the last few years out of almost pure respect of what he's done for the industry. Um, Especially like Jesus is King and this like Christian revival, I would say like that is so the, the mental of that, I don't know a better word, is so interesting to me and how people really latch on to this idea of Kanye without taking the previous Mm. Kanye. And so I think that inspired the old Kanye. Kanye. And so I think that inspired me to be like, well, obviously, if we got to Jesus as King, there has to be a reason why. You don't just Mm. make a switch like that um, and put your your number one career on the line for that. And yeah, so it's just kind of been this ever evolving thing. Also, I, I loved his love for his mother and love for his family. I feel like we don't always see that. We're just like, oh, he just terrorizes yeah. 17-year-old girls. Yeah. <laughs> but For me, I think a lot of my love for Kanye came from the love of the Gen 2 in hip-hop. Mm. And the evident mark of Kanye on their music. Wait, 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 wait. When you say Gen 2, can you drop names? Oh, I'm talking about Frank Ocean. Whew! My brother. Yeah. My love, I don't know, Tyler the Creator, um, Odd Future, um, who am I missing? Even Travis Scott. Travis Scott. A lot of these people who are directly impacted by the path that Kanye took. Um, And that's a whole different conversation for another day. Yes. but But I think that's where my deep dive and love for Frank Ocean is my number one. And hearing his direct influence talk about religion, talk about faith, talk about his mom, talk about his love, life. Everything. And in a way that was modeled after Kanye. Yeah. Truly. No, literally. Kanye's affinity for breaking ground sonically and in society influences others to do the same. He's working to express himself and is making mistakes along the way. Since his experience is in the limelight, we see every part of it. But Kanye never wavers in being himself. He's never conforming to anyone's expectations. So friends listening, I want to ask, where do you see Kanye's prints? Where do you see his fingerprints in culture, in music? Um, Yeah, we'd love to hear your thoughts, so let us know. This is a conversation that keeps on going. This is a conversation I think that does not end with talking about the end of his albums. And um, if we really want to talk about the influence of Kanye, I think we need to further discussion, further the discussion talking about Generation 2 and their their footprint on the music industry, even into Gen 3 of hip hop. Let's do it. I'm I'm down. Thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode of Sound Culture. We hope you laughed with us, learned something new about Kanye, and even maybe cried a little. 
This is obviously an ongoing conversation and we're excited to continue it in future episodes. If you liked this episode, you can leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts. We're excited for what's going to come next. See you next week.